Welcome to It Could Be Coughs. I mean, it could be said. My name is Will Calling, and boy, am I paying for my humor- humorous uh, title for the last last week's podcast. I am pretty much better uh, for my cold. Thank you for asking, Dr. Luke Midup. But the cough is refusing to go, Luke. In fact, it's mutated into a really annoying cough, cough, which is stuck at the back of my throat. And it's fine until I cough, in which case it takes me quite violent coughs to get back to an, a nice equilibrium. Yeah, and it's important to know, your listeners, Will is not a smoker. That's about the one vice he does not have. I do occasionally smoke cigars. <laughs> Very occasionally. Very. It's, it's a one vice I'm not addicted to. It's probably a better way of putting it. Yeah, okay, fair I, 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 I can actually smoke in moderation. But you, know, you, tell, you, tell, you talk about my vices. You know how many cans of Coke I have had in the past two weeks? How many cans of Coke have you had in the last... Well, put it this way, though. I, I, I ordered myself some new multi-packs before I fell down the lurgy. And I had, like, eight left in one still to go. I haven't finished those eight. And that's in that that's since that's since uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday. Well done. But, what do you want? A medal? No, I'm complaining. I've got full. I've got like forty eight cans in my house to drink because I thought I would be getting round to them. Oh, well. I've, I've got over a liter. I've got I've got like one point seven liters of rum that I've not touched yet because it's taken me over a week to drink a bottle of bourbon. I'm a shadow of my former self, Luke. Sucks to, be, sucks to be you, I guess. Talk, talking of people who are shadows of their former self and don't touch the dream and demon drink, how goes the DUP, Luke? Uh, I don't know. Well, you tell me. You and Simon are on Northern Ireland, Bogs. No, so you always get this wrong. Simon doesn't care about Northern Ireland because it's British. He cares about the, the foreign exotic part, which is called the Republic. Well, or, anyway, I do, or, to, I do, or to your or to your grandparents, the Free State. Um, I, do, I do football corner. You do Northern uh, Ireland. Ah, uh, yes, we all have our. We all pick our own of the uh, Celtic uh, Celtic fringes, and then we all ignore Wales because it's part of England. Um, <laughs> yes, Northern Ireland had its um, assembly elections. Um, there was once a time when people dreamed of North Ireland staying in lockstep with Wales and Scotland for the devolved assembly elections. The problem, of course, oh, is, oh, how naive they were. The problem, of course, with that is, is that is the, the devolved assembly keeps collapsing and having to be put on ice and then being brought back at weird times. Um, and when they actually got the agreement to bring it back. I want to say, was it brought back in 2019? Yeah. Um, uh, 2019, 2020, whenever it was. There was basically an agreement made that, yeah, we, we don't feel like going, going for a, uh, a, to a, a quick election. We want enough time for people to forget what a hideous mess we've made of everything in the three years with no devolved government. Um, so, yes, here we are. The uh, much-awaited Northern Ireland election, and um, unfortunately, the the preview I gave, the very croaky preview I gave um, at last uh, last week, was just before like a new a new opinion poll came out. The opinion poll that basically seems to have gotten this election 
bang on the money, which was a very different picture to the opinion polls I had been reading in a, in a run-up to last week's podcast. So basically, the Northern Ireland opinion polls, there was one, one house, which is basically what I described last week, which is the DUP slightly gaining on Sinn Féin as the campaign uh, went on, but not that much. The, the alliance falling back a bit and basically being kind of gathered with the DUP and the SCLP in a quite a narrow band for, 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 for third place. And then Tough a bit behind them, but much higher than it had been previously. Tough being traditional Ulster voice. Unionist uh, voice. Unionist voice, even. The, I think it was Lucid Talk who had the poll that basically said, no, that's all wrong. Actually, uh, the DUP have gained nothing on Sinn Féin. The alliance is storming into second. It is storming ahead of the of the UUP and the SDLP, challenging the DUP for second place on first preferences. Um, the Tough is doing well and is actually much is closer to SCLP and the UUP than either are to uh, the alliance, and wackiness will ensue. Um, and basically, that second um, picture is what seems to have happened. Sinn Féin are going to be the largest party um, by absolutely stonking margin in, in first preferences, which we kind of knew already, to be fair. Um, well, even... can, I, can I, perhaps it would be helpful. I've got them in front of me right now. I can give Go you on. the running vote. I can give you the running vote tally, if you like. Well, yeah, give it in percentages, obviously. Okay, so Sinn Féin on 29%, that's up just a point on uh, 2017. Uh, Democratic Unionist Party, 213 which is down almost 7%. Which uh, they, should be very, Ulster, they should be very grateful it was only that, to be honest, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, Ulster, Alliance Party, 135 which is up nearly 5%. Uh, Ulster Unionist 11.2, which is down almost 2%. SDLP 9.1, which is down almost 3%. This is where you get to TUV. 7.6 up 5%. And then also rounds. Yeah. And basically, um, the alliance being up 5% almost underestimates what a... Well, no, it doesn't because that's almost doubling their vote from where they were beforehand. Yeah, and, be- and bear and bear in mind as well the places we have we have we don't have complete numbers for any of the parliamentary constituencies, and the ones we've got partial numbers for are almost all the ones where Sinn Fein where Sinn Fein does best. No, no, that's not right. We have we have full numbers now. Oh, do we? We have, we, we have full first preference. Oh, okay. So what we don't have are the transfers, but okay. People who know this stuff can guess it. So I think what I've seen is Sinn Féin's going to win, um, quote-unquote. So they're going to get either 28 or 29. There's one constituency um, where, it's, where, the, where it's basically a sh- uh, the... I think it's a shootout. 
no. Was there a shootout between Sinn Féin? No, no, I'm wrong. That was a shootout between SCLP and the Alliance. Basically, Sinn Féin are going to get 28 or 29. Um, I think the thing we have seen in some of the results is what hadn't been coming up in the polls um, is that there definitely seems to have been a portion of the nationalist electorate that did get excited about the idea of having a, a, a nationalist first minister. Um, um, so in like nationalist areas, you can see a swing towards Sinn Féin um, to a certain extent. Um, obviously, the DUP um, got thumped but in the first preferences, but the transfers have meant that they're not going to go far that far down. Um, I think the stuff I've seen is them like probably being on like 25, 26. And actually, the two MLAs that have lost are DUPers who have gone independent. Um, I, think, I think for everybody's sake, just for sanity, if there can be more than a two MLA gap between a DUP and, the Shin, and Sinn Féin, because otherwise it's going to be this almighty argument between a DUP and those two independent unionists about getting them to try and caucus with a DUP again to try and save, uh, try and stop Sinn Féin nominate, again to nominate a first minister. Um, what did they, What is the alliance figure? I had that a minute ago, but it's dropped out of my head. Um, I'm going to pick, pick it up. So the, this is a projection I saw. So alliance, you're probably looking at 15. Um, but that might be 16. So there is one where they are battling uh, for, for, for to like kind of steal a, a, a final place seat. Um, then the UUP, eight or nine. SCLP, seven or nine, seven to nine. And then here's, here's where the, the nature of the system, traditional Ulster voice, uh, unionist voice, two, two, because basically they are the most um, hardline, no-nonsense, no, no rabble-rousing of the unionist parties, which means they don't really have much place to go to pick up transfers, um, um, even if they do relatively well on, the, on first preferences. So they're going to have two. Independent units will also have two. People before profit will have one. Greens lose uh, lose their their presence in Stormont, which I think came as a bit of a surprise. And what you're left with is um, almost like perfect deadlock, to be honest, because Sinn Féin, no, no Sinn Féin have clearly won. No, fair and square, they are the largest party. Um, but there is a you no, know, there is this strong um, anti-protocol unionist faction between the DUP, uh, TUV, and the independent unionists. Um, unionists will be the unionists will almost certainly be the largest designation. So for those um, for those who are you know unfamiliar with Northern Ireland politics, you too could be Northern Ireland secretary in twenty in twenty years time. <laughs> um, but um, um, parties in Stormont in the Northern Ireland Assembly have to say whether they are unionist, nationalist or other uh, due to the cross-community uh, cross power-sharing structures within the system. Um, and it looks like unionism will probably be just the largest destination by a couple 
although you will have a quite a large um, other uh, group, although not as big a group, a, a bigger gain as we as we'd have assumed, because people before profit, I think, are down one. There had been two greens beforehand, so to a certain extent, the 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 growth of the alliance has came at um, at the expense of the other others. Um, in terms of what this means for Northern Ireland, anybody who tells you they know is lying. Well, um, I mean, I think it's going to take a while to, to form a government, form an executive out of this stew. And luckily, for once, for once, the Conservative Party has actually prepared the ground for this because they did pass a law towards the end of... Um, um, recently, which means that if you can't nominate a first or deputy first minister, the incumbent ministers can still stay in post for up to six months, whereas I think previously it was like six weeks. Now, obviously, the DUP did collapse the executive before the elections, so that clock is ticking, but we have, we have about four to five months uh, for these negotiations to take place. Uh, whilst the um, the various ministers stay in post. Now, one of the really interesting questions will be is how quickly uh, Jeffrey Donaldson, sorry, Sir Jeffrey Donaldson, will take his seat in Stormont, because this was a perennial issue on the campaign trail. There was an attempt to bring back uh, what is called a Northern Ireland double jobbing, where uh, members of the Assembly are also members of Parliament. Um, obviously, that would have been very convenient for Sir Geoffrey because, um, you know, that might be, A, a you know, if there isn't going to be an executive for a while, you might want to stay an MP so you can press the flesh with ministers more easily. Also, that would be a very nasty by-election for the DUP to fight, and they may not... Uh, necessarily win it, particularly if they lose Sir Jeffrey's personal vote. Safe, I thought it was a pretty safe seat. What is a safe seat at the moment in the in the, in the mess the DUP have got themselves into? Oh, in, in first past the post, I'd say that that is a relatively safe seat. Uh, put it this way: they are not. They they do not necessarily share your confidence. Okay, well they really are in bad shape. Um, I mean, like, it'd probably be fine. It'd probably just be, like, a hassle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, you know we are going to have a lot and lot, a lot, a lot of talking. Um, you think there's any chance the DUP goes into an executive without some movement on the Northern Ireland Protocol? No. I mean, this is a thing, like... Yeah, because, I mean, you say there's going to be a lot of negotiations. I don't see any serious negotiations until something is moved with the protocol. Well, it's not just that, though. It's also the structure of the whole process because, um, you know, you do have the alliance as a strong first. Um, do they deserve a, like, a true deputy position? You then have the reality of the situation that, you know, it is a... Look, you, you can exaggerate the importance of this you know you had you had some people talking about Sinn Féin sweeping into power in Northern Ireland and it's like uh, guys 
been in power for quite some time in Northern Ireland. Yeah, the whole system is set up so no one can sweep into anything. Um, you know, the nature of the executive office is that the first and deputy first ministers are meant to be co-equal. But, but, you know, DUP has humoured, has sought to humour its voters. And Sinn Féin has, with varying degrees of grace, humoured the DUP by letting the DUP kind of pretend that it leads the government, um, less so more recently for obvious reasons. Um, but did you see, the, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. At COP26, um, um, uh, Arlene Foster came, as did um, Shell O'Neill. And so, like, Boris Johnson was getting, like, all the devolved ministers together for, like, a Team UK photo shoot. And, like, if you think Nicola Sturgeon would look uncomfortable um, in that type of photo op, you have, no, you cannot describe how uncomfortable Michelle O'Neill looks into it. Like, <laughs> she is as far away from the, the Brits, including you, Nicola, as possible while still being in the photo. <laughs> um, so, like, Sinn Féin ha <coughs> has in the past talked about, let's just call the two, the two positions, joint, joint first ministers, let's recognise what they actually are. So, no, could we get that? Um, but I like I say, all of this is... Well, we'll let them, well, before we before we get to the program, the the interesting thing with that will be, is I could you could see that being a type of thing where Sinn Fein would go along with it, after extracting their pound of flesh for the the concession, knowing that that would actually annoy a lot of nationalists and just kind of confirm the perception of unionist bad faith. But again, this is a point I was trying to make, Luke. Even if you get concessions on the protocol. Can the DUP actually get its membership to go along with Deputy First Minister Jeffrey Donaldson taking take orders, inverted commas, from, from Michelle O'Neill? It would be very difficult. Um, now, on the, on the protocol, one of the things the DUP is not happy about, which will make negotiations even harder, because I think they feel a bit hard done by from London is Brandon Lewis on Preston um, on Wednesday um, rubbish reports that there was going to be a bill in the Queen's speech junking the protocol. Now this seems to be one where like wires are being crossed and people are forgetting what is and isn't kayfabe and Chinese whispers you know, confounding everybody. The, the plan was never, apparently the plan was never to have the Queen, to, Queen stand up and say, yeah, that thing my government signed with the EU, we're going to junk. Instead, the plan was always to have the Queen stand up and say, you know, the government is committing to making sure that the good, the good Friday, to protect the Good Friday Agreement and making sure um, the current arrangements work for all of Northern Ireland. Some boilerplate that if the current negotiations, the EU, don't bear fruit, um, they, they, they can go in a more hardline direction. 
Now, of course, the problem you'll have is, you know, there is not an anti there is not an anti protocol majority in the new Stormont, um, and then there is there there will be a majority against any unilateral measures. Now, to be fair, there's probably also a majority against implementing the protocol in full, which still hasn't happened because the protocol is stupid and doesn't make any sense. But um, the issue of the protocol is always going to come back to, um, it's a bit like the discussions about Roe versus Raid in America. You know, you have the Alito Five versus John Roberts. John Roberts is like, we can gut Roe versus Wade and just cool the temperature down by pretending we're still implementing Roe versus Wade. And I think the government deep down would love to get itself to a position of gutting the protocol and pretending the protocol is still there. And they might get the EU to agree to that. You know, of course we're implementing the protocol. The protocol is, of course, being implemented whilst it's not be, it's being dismantled. Unfortunately, much like the Alito 5, the DUP, traditional Ulster voice, you know, er, er, no, er, no, the, the unionist paramilitaries, they want the pound, they want the public pound of flesh. They want to be able to say, no, we have gotten rid of this protocol. We have, we have succeeded. We have the symbolic victory. And yeah, that, that's going to be a, that's going to be an ask. That's going to be an ask. So yeah, so basically, um, if you enjoyed this Northern Ireland election, you might get another one this time later. You might get another one later in the year. Well, I mean, also not to make this a podcast about Brexit, but the I mean, the EU may agree to weaken in the protocol, but. With Brexit having worked out the way that it has, the EU does have some genuine right to be concerned that Northern Ireland is not used as a beachhead to undermine the integrity of the single market. I mean, the protocol does that by taking a sledgehammer, by taking several sledgehammers to crack half a nut. But there's got, still got to be something. The EU is not just going to want. The EU is not is not ever going to say just let's let everything rip. What was what was the uh, uh, prote- protection when uh, West Germany didn't have a, didn't police a customs union against East Germany? <coughs> yeah, but that's that wasn't one, was there? That's not um, that's not a, that's not a comparison. Why not? Because you had COCOM. And all the other um, like Cold War machinery that really tightly regulated East-West trade and a highly militarized border. Hey, look, give the IRA five minutes, and the Northern Irish one can be militarized again. No, but I, th- I think you, I think you've been a bit flip. I think it's a bit of flippant comparison. Will. The, the the point I was making is is look. Ireland, Northern Ireland is a very small part of the British market, let alone the British EU market. Um, the possibility of it being a big puncture in the wider EU single market is quite small and can be policed, as, as Britain has always said, can be policed by analysing data. You know, if data trends say, hang on, there's a weird spike going on, 
then you investigate. The problem, of course, has always been is that what this approach naturally leads to is checks in the English Channel. Because Northern Ireland is a small part of the British market. It's a small part of the European market. It is a big part of the Irish, the island of Ireland market. So it is very difficult to it is it is it is relatively easy, although I think I, I think the Treasury may be may be complacent. It's relatively easy to make sure Northern Ireland doesn't cause great disturbance, distortions in the British single market, because it's a small part of the, the British single market, you know, smaller than the smaller than the West Midlands where I live. Um, um, it is very, very unlikely Northern Ireland will cause distortions in the full EU market or EEA market, because it's a really small part of the European economic area. But if you're going to define no trade distortions so tightly as to make sure there are no distortions to trade in Ireland, in the Republic, i.e. Northern Irish goods aren't being preferred by Republic customers to French goods, that becomes more tricky, doesn't it? And that's always been the issue. There has never been an acknowledgement that if you don't, if you want Northern Ireland um, to continue to have an open border with the Republic, then you have to accept that the Republic is going to be a bit closer aligned with Northern Ireland than the rest of the EU will be. And, and that's always been the, the nature of the trilemma that, that, that has kind of made the border such a difficult issue to resolve. Because the thing the Irish are terrified of is eventually getting checks on their goods going into the EU 26. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, like, you know, there are so many things to work out. And again, you know, like all, you know, up Northern Ireland is, 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 is it, it, I think it is the poorest part of the UK. Um, it's, um, it will be stretched by all the issues that the rest of the country are going through, the rest of the Western world are going through. It has structural issues due to not having a government for so long um, until relatively recently. And most of the periods it had a government was was when um, was when there was COVID. So there was not much scope to do much with that government. Um, you know, you've still not got the Irish language bill passed. Um, which is what caused, the, which is one of the reasons that caused the government to collapse back in 2016-17. Um, so yeah, so like it's it's not just a protocol, and actually, again, you know, like I'm sure Brexit um, strengthens some of the trends we're seeing here, but like the rise of others has been something people have been talking about in Northern Ireland for years. This kind of third force. Um, and the end, yeah, no, the it's came crashing through. So no, interesting times. I do think. I mean, I think Sinn Fein probably haven't had enough of a breakthrough to make talk of a border poll very likely. And you know, they they definitely kind of downplayed that during the campaign. 
But if and when a border poll does become something of a live topic of discussion, it'll be interesting to see how the alliance handles that. Yeah, because it's one it's it's one thing being a third force when the constitutional issue is something that people are sick of and don't want to talk about. It can be quite a good niche to have, but when the constitutional issue is front and center and people don't feel able to escape it, you can quickly find yourself torn between two pillars as uh, Scottish Labour found out to its cost. Speaking of, how how go the comrades? Oh well, nice transition here. Well, so let me let's give let's just give out the results uh, before we talk about them. So, and in with... the Scottish and in the Clydeside Scottish uh, local elections, four 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 East five five. <laughs> uh, so, vote. I'm going to do vote share first, and then what's, do... what's more complicated, STV or the Scottish Premier League's? Uh, um, f- f- Two thirds of the season through split. Well, Tom, my my aide, my carer, whatever you want to say, he is a mass, he's a Dundee United fanatic, um, and he's really excited because they're battling it out for the last European place, and they're playing Rangers tomorrow after Rangers beat uh, <coughs> uh, RP. RB Leipzig on Thursday, so he thinks they have a chance. Um, anyway, so vote share. So the SNP 34.1%, which is up 1.5% from 2017. Labour 21.7%, which is up 1.3% from 2017. Conservatives 19.6%, that's down almost six points from 2017. Independents, uh, 9.8. Uh, Lib Dems, 8.6, which is up one and a half points. Uh, the Greens, 6%, which is up one and a half points. So that trans- where, where, now- where, where, Where's Alba? Where did Alba get? Alba, Alba literally didn't score. Alba, Alba literally did not get... Alba literally did not get enough votes to register. I think it's about 0.25. Said, to put that in context, Atane, the socially conservative Irish Nationalist Party, I think they got something like 1.5% in the Northern Ireland Assembly elections. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I think this, this latest chapter in Alex Salmon's career, long and storied career is coming to its inevitable and hilarious conclusion. <laughs> Um, so what that now it's important to say <clears throat> that Scotland uses STV for local council elections. This was as a result of a Labour Lib Dem deal back at the dawn of devolution. Um, so in terms of seats, what that means no, no, is just, just the STV. Do you know the Republic don't do STV properly? No, they don't. They like get a sample of ballots and then extrapolate second preferences from the sample. It's like, no, do full fat. Count all those continuing preferences. Yeah, no, that's really weird because that's going to mean a bunch of people's votes are just surmised. Yeah, no, you got, you got to do it properly. Count fractions. Yeah, that's not a complete count. Anyway, so what that translates to in seats in Scotland 
is the SNP have 453 councillors. That's up 23. Labour has 282. That's up 19. The Conservatives have 214. That's down 62. But not down the, 80. Not down 80. Uh, and well, we'll come back to that in a second. Independents have 152. That's down 15. Lib Dems have 87, which is up 20. And the Greens have 35. Up or down. Which is up 15. So basically, it's Doug- it is Santa Douglas Ross giving out presents to all of the passes. Yeah, essentially, it's the Tory vote is down and it's sh- shattered across basically all the other parties. Now, just just to pick out, just to oh, pick actually, sorry, some- I I forgot to say one thing about Northern Ireland. Forget too deep into Scotland. The the obviously the big we did kind of touch on it. The big story is the decline in the SCLP uh, UUP vote and. <laughs> Uh, I have no idea what advice to give those two parties. You be fucked. Um, um, like, I would just go into opposition. If you're going to go down, go down. They tried you. that and they went down. That's why they went back into government this time. Um, and it's going to be even worse if the alliance are like a, are like a credible third force. Um, I really don't know what you do because... You basically, you are always going to come off second worst, no matter which direction you go. SDLP, UUP cannot promise to be as non-sectarian as the Alliance, as, you know, as free of sectarian, identitarian politics as the Alliance. And they can't promise to fight as effectively for their community as, uh, you know, Sinn Féin or the DUP, their you know, and like this is particularly bad for the UUP because obviously the DUP isn't even the most extreme uh, unionist party. They are the kind of like the middle one. You know, there's there's uh, tough to the DUP's right. Um, yeah, they 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 do kind of feel like parties that don't have a point to their existence. Um, um, yeah, no, particularly as I said, you know, with the. With, the, with the, there being another slit in the Unionist Party, and in the case of uh, the SCLP, uh, a Sinn Féin, at least on the surface, has has decisively moved away from its association with the IRA. Yeah, like I said, I, I would go into opposition. It may not help you, but it's a more dig, it's a more it's a more dignified role. It's a more interesting role, and I think it does have long term some implications for building an alternative brand rather than just being a fifth wheel to the DUP and Sinn Féin. And they, uh, that just seems like that just seems like an inevitable slow death to me. I mean, the, the one benefit will be um, the, the standard orders for Stormont have been changed to strengthen the role of opposition parties. Yeah. But even so, like... It's it's difficult because like you know you've got between no if it is Sinn Fein the Alliance and DUP in government and this is a big if there's a lot a lot to be done before you get to this position you know you are talking what God I'm gonna have to do maths quickly uh you know roughly what seventy ish of the ninety seats. 65 70 yeah. of the seats being cut. No, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, yeah, it'd be about, it'd be over 70, I think. 
And so it's just like, how are you going to gain any traction when you're such a small opposition? You know, the, the, it'd be the equivalent of the, the formal opposition in, 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 in the House of Commons being like 80 compared to a governing coalition. I, I, know, I know what you're saying, and these are all these are all real problems. And I don't have good advice for, Shin, for, for the SDLP and the, and the UUP either. But what I'm saying is, it seems to me that trying to develop an alternative, more business-friendly, less statist, uh, socially liberal version of nationalism and unionism is A, a worthwhile project in and of itself, and B, it, may, it probably won't work, but at least you're giving it a go. Whereas if you just keep going back into office, as mini me to the two big parties. What's the point? Like, what is the what is the point of that? I mean, ultimately, pol- ultimately, politics is about winning. I'd rather try. I'd rather try. I'd rather try. If I were in their shoes, and I'm not in their shoes, I'd rather try something daring. If my party's going to go extinct, I'd rather try to revive it by doing something daring than just squitter away into the pages of history. I don't know, man. I think I referred, I, I say I've referred them to my previous answer. You be fucked. Yeah. So anyway, can we get back to football corner? Yeah. So talking about being fucked, how, how goes the Scottish Tories? Yeah, it was not, it, it wasn't a good night, but let's, let's start off with the people that actually did go quite well for them which are the Lib Dems, Labour, and it pains me to say, uh, the SNP. Did, now, did, actually, did, did it go think, well? Did it go well for the Labour? Because I, I, I think they'd be a bit disappointed. With... Well, just let me let me do my thing and then you can Oh, you're going all Ian Murray on me. Is Ian Murray? <laughs> who, who, who does it for the Guardian? <laughs> just you and Murray. You and Murray. You're going all Ian Murray on me. Yeah, just, just let me think. So uh, let me start off with the people I actually think did best, which are the Lib Dems, bless their hearts, because I don't think anybody saw them gaining 20-odd seats. Um, and moreover, it's not just the seats that they've gained. They've done what Lib Dems always do, which is they've really dug in in the constituencies they've had, they hold, particularly my neck of the woods, Northeast Fife and Edinburgh West. I would be uh, like the SNP is going to need small tactical nuclear weapons to blow them out of those seats come the next general election. And actually, even though it's going to be fought on different boundaries whenever the next election happens, those two seats don't change meaningfully very much at all. Um, so I think the Lib Dems can put Northeast Fife and Edinburgh West in the bank as far as holding on to. Seats in Scotland. So the only one they're in danger of losing is Jamie Stone's seat in um, Sutherland and Easteros, which kind of on a new map doesn't really exist anyway. I um, think I think somehow they're going to lose Joe Swinson's seat, even though she doesn't have one. <laughs> um, actually, that seat. The equivalent of that seat is going to be made 
even friendlier to the Lib Dems. So I doubt it, to be honest. So I think the Lib Dems Dems have done really quite well because not only did they not, was nobody seeing them picking up seats, but they picked up seats in the places that are going to be most useful to them um, tactically going forward. Um, As for the SNP, I think the highlight for them it's probably winning an overall majority on Dundee City Council. Near you. Is, pardon? Near you. Near me. <clears throat> Which, you know, STV is designed to make extremely difficult. So, you know, that's a high bar to clear. And they cleared it with room, they cleared it um, with room to spare. They've done they've done well in Edinburgh. They'll probably be leading some kind of coalition administration. In Edinburgh, they've hung on in Glasgow, and given the way the seats have fallen, even though they're now only one seat ahead of Labour on Glasgow City Council, an SNP Green coalition is still probably the easiest way to get a majority there. Labour, Labour would ha- Labour would have to spatch cock something together with both the remaining Tories, of whom there are only two, and like the six Lib Dems. Um, so I think that's pretty unlikely. I mean, that that really that really surprised me. And that, that was where I think Labour can be slightly disappointed because Labour really did throw the kitchen sink at trying to become the largest party in Glasgow again. And they almost they did make some gains, but they didn't get there. And like that green SMP administration has been an absolute shamble. Shambles. And like I was listening to Nicola Sturgeon, you know, being interviewed on the on the news, basically saying, "Oh well, I think this is true. This is a demonstration of the fact that people don't like it when you talk down their city, when you talk down Glasgow." Nicola, nobody's talking down the city or its I people, am. but when you knee deep, when you knee, when you knee deep in garbage because the council can't be bothered to collect the bits, it's compost. There's something too. wrong. It's called compost. Yeah, it's like we're not. It's like the council. The council is not the city or its people, but the council's doing a shit job at what it's supposed to do. It shows how little you know about democratic centralism. Yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, I'm just. Uh, I'm really baffled that, like, by all accounts, the worst. I think one of the worst big city councils in the UK will return. Will will um return the same administration that it had before the election. By the way, there was something funny. The Greens actually beat Susan Aitken, the leader of the council, into second place in her ward. Nice. Nice. Um, I think the SNP, like I said, I think the SNP will run Edinburgh as well. So that's both major cities in Scotland under some form of SNP. I think in Edinburgh it will be probably be an SNP minority administration um, with a bit of help from Labour, which is basically what it was before. (coughs) Um, Labour's done reasonably well. It's the first time in six... It's the first time in six Scottish elections, whether at Westminster, Holyrood or local, where Labour's finished... A clear second. Is it the first time since you've gone up to Scotland? It is. 
So you've been there, Jinx. They've yeah. broken the mid-up Jinx. Yeah, in both share of the vote and seats. Does this does this mean Notts County's going to get promoted this season? Let's hope so. Um. So <laughs> you know what it is, Luke. What is that? Is the fact that you're on study leave? Yeah, it is. Um. So probably the highlight for Labour was them breaking STV. In Western Bartonshire, which is sort of like suburban Glasgow, um, <clears throat> and they've done rel- they've done relatively well across the central belt. My council, Fife, they've done well in, and that's important because there are several marginal parliamentary seats um, that that give that that gives them a, that that gives them a real opening towards. And actually, I think. It's going to be interesting for me because I think Fife Council is going to take a long time to work out what kind of administration that's going to end up with. I think that's going to be some kind of like real rainbow coalition. Um, now, as for the Tories, they've it's been a bad night. There's no way around that. Uh, I like how when you start talking about the Tories, you go from being pundit to... Yes, I am a Tory spokesman at three o'clock in the morning on, on BBC One yeah, Scotland. Yeah, we, we've, we've got to learn lessons. You know, the people have spoken. We need to listen. <laughs> you, have to remem- you have to remember high, high benchmark. I was, just about, I was just about to say. And I mean, I'm, look, look, I'm a Conservative voter. I'm a Conservative donor. Um, so, you know, cards Some, on the table. Sometime activist. Sometime activist. Um, you have to remember that 2017 was not just a good result for the Tories. It was their best result in Scottish local government in 40 years. Um, so they were, they were, com- they were coming off of... And, they, they, and they didn't make a single anti-papers jibe to get it either. Yeah, they were, com- they, were com- they were coming off a very high base. They have... The, the, concerning, the concerning thing... For the Tories, if you if you churn through the data, uh, John Curtis is making this point. The places where they have done it's the places where they did best in 2017 where they've lost the most votes. Um now having said that, 214 is still like 90 seats more than they had in 2012. Um and like they, where there where there are Tory MPs, they did better. So like Aberdeenshire Council, for example, they're actually three seats up on two thousand and seven. Well, that northeast is going to become a Tory hunting ground because of the SNP going weird over oil. Yeah, so they're actually three seats up in Aberdeenshire. They did very well. Both the Tories and the Lib Dems did very well in the islands. Um, would that be due to a certain scandal to do with? Yeah, well, it could be due. It's like you look at the rest of Scotland and then you look at the islands, and it's like Tories up 19%, Lib Dems up 25%. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the people's oil and the people's ferries, yeah. And also, I think the Tories did the Tories did comparatively well in the borders where they have three MPs as well. Where they were, they were, they where they really the border should be the blue wall. Yeah. I mean, it's next to a wall. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no wall in southern England. There is a wall in the border between England and and uh, Scotland, and the Tories do well there. That's the blue wall. Yeah, I mean, where they've where they've really where they've really struggled is the is the central belt. They've had a horrible night in Edinburgh. They've gone down from second to fifth. That I I am less of. It's not that I'm not a fan of Ruth Davidson, although I do, I do judge her more harshly for her decision to quit politics. But and I and I feel that it was more the song than the singer. But the Tory strength in Edinburgh never really made any sense, except the fact that Ruth Davidson was almost like designed in a lab to appeal to the type of person in Edinburgh who might vote for David Cameron if you, if they were English. Yeah. Um, well, and, so, and so I think the fact that they did particularly, they had a particularly bad swing in Edinburgh isn't actually that surprise because that's where she was based as yeah. well, wasn't it? But to go from second to fifth is, is, a, <laughs> is a shellacking. Yeah. Uh, and the, the thing is as well, they lost in wards like Pentlands, for example, which like even in the even in the dog days of the nineteen nineties, the Tories were winning in local government. Um, so that is con- that is concerning from the point of view of these are seats that are Westminster and a Scottish parliamentary level. You should be based on the demographics being able to mount some kind of a challenge at them. They're very middle class. They're very affluent. Um, and but a high Tories... high graduate population, though. Yeah, which wouldn't normally be a uh, a pro Tory thing. Now that's that I get that I guess that I guess is a fair point. I don't think any. I don't. Think, I think. I don't think any party with the possible. Actually, take that back. I think the Lib Dems will be very happy, but I don't think. I think the the SNP and Labour. Will both be satisfied, but I don't think they'll be turning cartwheels. Do you think Labour is satisfied? I, I, I think this is a disappointing result because reality is they're only second by default, which I know I know is ironic because the Tories only got second in 2016 by default as well. But like the Tories have came really far back, and that has just been scattered to the wind. You've not had a decisive shift in Labour's favour. The Labour and the Tories are basically tied for seconds, which I think, and I think people in Labour game quite excited that they may actually make a decisive 23, 24% established clear water between them and the Tories. Yeah, and, maybe. And they, and they just haven't done that. And, like, and you, you have to think, that you're not going to do it now. When are you going to do it? When yeah. are you going to do it? Yeah, this is the thing. I, I think the days, the days when there were, you know, one Tory MP or no Tory MPs in Scotland, I think for the time being they're gone. To be honest, I think there will there is now like a hardcore of four or five seats in Scotland that are relatively, uh, even though the majorities aren't very big, they're big enough. Um. Well, it's, yeah. the, it's the borders and it's northeast, isn't it? And it's I the guess. northeast, yeah. Um, I mean, I do think I do think Douglas Ross made a serious mistake in 
telling Boris Johnson to resign and then taking it back. He should just he should just stuck to you should resign, Boris. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I think he sh- I think he should. Um, and the whole idea of yeah, well, there's a war in Ukraine, so he's got to stay. I think that, that's that's dumb. That's dumb, and people know that's dumb. Um, so shall we move south of the border now? Well, you why 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 did Boris Johnson uh, get told by Douglas Ross to uh, to resign? Well, because he's you know he's a party animal. Um, you know you know who else might be a party animal? Sir, <laughs> Sir Big Jinx. <laughs> it's such a good. So, Luke, um, how goes the leader of the opposition? You know what, Will? You're going to have to explain this because I'm, I'm holding my hands up here. I really don't understand what the issue is here. Okay, so this this began as a bit of a, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm rubber, your glue type type uh, attempt at a comeback by the Tory press when Partygate had just began, where they found a photo of uh, Keir Starmer having a beer um, in a Labour constituency office. A Labour constituency? A Labour constituency office. And this was just before the local elections um, in, in, in last year, 2021. So at this point, pubs were open again, but they weren't open for indoor service, only outdoor service. And you were meant to only go in your household group. No other socialising was was really allowed um, outside your support bubble. Now, this is in many ways superficially similar to some of the stuff that Downing Street had got themselves into. Because what Labour is saying is, look, we this was a this was uh, Starmer and Angela Rayner earlier on in the day had been out and about canvassing, campaigning um, with party activists because all the restaurants were shut. There was no scope for them to go and have a meal. So the party arranged for um, takeaway to be delivered to to the headquarter for people to eat. The people eating had been working together. Therefore, no rules were broken. Now, you might say, you might say, well, hang on, wait a minute, isn't this very similar to some of the defences made about the birthday party, the only the only issue at the moment where um, if no, no politicians have been fined, Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak were fined. Now, the argument against that is... Um, effectively, um, people were gathering from different work areas for a explicit non-work purpose, i.e. to celebrate a birthday party. There were people who hadn't been working in Number 10 Downing Street, such as the Prime Minister's wife, such as his interior decorator, who were invited to the party. I think the, I think personally the bigger issue is the the as I've said before many a time the the fact that the, the original sin the 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 fruit the, the 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 root of all the rotten fruit 
um, is that a lot of those people in Downing Street should have been working from home and there's special pleading why they weren't. Clearly, you can't go around canvassing people, door knocking people without, you know, whilst working from home. It's, it's fundamentally something you have to do in person. And we've actually, there's good evidence, for example, that the Democrats probably underperformed in 2020 because, unlike the Republicans, they did askew in person canvassing um, out of like excessive concern um, over COVID. So to me, it's there's a clear difference. It is worth saying. I mean, this they, they may just just not have got to it yet, but the it looks like the Met didn't investigate the um in the, probably the most similar of the Partygate incidents, which was a one where like Johnson, Simmons, Cummins were caught sitting in the Downing Street garden, um, having a drink whilst working. So now the argument is that so the, 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 the Mail and the Telegraph and the Sun have been pushing this more heavily these past few weeks. Um, there was the development that Rayner had been there, which the Labour Party initially denied, only to find out she had been. There's then the, the accusation that there was an online, there was a quiz advertised for this CLP. Now, what Labour says is, is that was an online quiz, totally separate to what was um, the, no, what, the, the picture that was being taken. Um, but there have been accusations that maybe Pete, maybe a bit like actually one of the Partygate stories, maybe it was actually a hybrid quiz where people in the CLP office dialed into the quiz that was also being done virtually. Who can say? But basically, this has been bubbling under. Starmer was asked about it a couple of times. He was being a bit squirrely with his answers. and Very squirrely. And refusing to say whether the, the police had been in touch. Some people took that as a sign of him being a bad politician. I thought, and I regret not saying this on Twitter, uh, my Twitter game has been lower this week due to being ill. Um... It's um, all right, well, we forgive you. But does the discourse, Luke? Does the discourse? Um I I thought if if the director of if a former director of public prosecutions is being a bit cagey with an answer he's given over whether the police have been in touch with him, he's probably got a good reason. <laughs> um and, and lo and behold, the police have said now that now that this make-believe purder the police have invented for themselves is over, the police have said, oh, actually, no, we, we are actually going to look into this again. Now, look, it could just be to get the mail and the telegraph to stop shouting at them. It could be that new information that it has has came out. Um, it will certainly spike Starmer's guns um, if more fines are made um against johnson or any other politician tory politicians in the weeks to come um but like let's put it this way if if uh starmer is fined for this he probably would have to go if he was being honorable about it either go or challenge it actually 
which would be hilarious if you had the if you had Starmer fight for his uh yeah political life in a magistrate's court. Um, but but if he is found guilty of this, then I can't believe that not every single other politician in the country didn't do something similar. You know, after canvassing, go and have a beer, go, go, go have a meal. Because, like I said, you're canvassing when nowhere's open. Um, you know, like you you incentivize the troops with food. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've both done that. I have not done that. Have you not? I have never. Can- do, do you really think, that, like, do you really think me when I was at uni would be the type of person going canvassing? I thought you would do just about anything for free food. Yeah, but the thing is, the amount of walking involved means it's 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 kind of a sucker's bet because you're gonna burn more calories than what you get given back in return. You would have dropped. You would have dropped pants for free pizza. <laughs> okay, so so anyway, the, they, yeah, oh, so that, that's that's why kebabish pizzas kept giving me a sore ass. No, no, there are many other reasons. For that. <laughs> oh, blimey. Did, did you ever actually go into Kebabish? Did you ever actually go into? No. A, oh god. So it's just one time. One time. I don't I don't know why, but one time I decided to walk there and order and walk back. Yes. And like that was the last time I ever ordered from there. Because my it was filthy, it was disgusting. That that's that's that 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 no Luke no, that's the background grease that gives it flavour. Oh no, it was oh god, it was awful. When me and Luke were at university, Kebabish was a um a takeaway place, and I think the listeners could infer that from context. It was one of the like it's classic pizza was one of the most horrifically spicy pizzas you could ever imagine eating. Like, it would blow your ever-loving socks off. It was great. Yeah. Many, many, and many a toilet was purple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but bas- yeah, basically... Uh, but, yeah, basically, what... This, is, this feels like, for Labour, it's been a bit of the inverse of the last local elections which started off absolutely horrifically badly um, with the early counts and then got progressively good as the, as the days went on. Unfortunately, Keir Starmer had decided to blow up his shadow cabinet before the, like, the extent of how well Labour had done had became clear. And like when we woke up in the morning, it seemed like Labour had done pretty well. And actually now, as the day's gone on, you're starting to see the issues of Labour's performance. And it is a decidedly mixed bag, I would argue. I mean, it, it is, but I, I, think we've got to, I think we've got to bear a couple of things in mind before we pass judgment. The first is that this is... this The last time these seats were contested is 2018 which was Jeremy Corbyn's best set of local election results. Second, this cycle of local election results is always a good one for Labour because it includes London and Birmingham and Manchester. You know, it's, it's, it's a very urban set of elections. Uh, and the other thing to consider is people are saying, 
I mean, Matt, Good, Matt Goodwin made this um, point on Twitter, and I actually responded to him because it was really annoying me. People are saying that Labour's not making progress in the red wall, but Labour, they're not comparing, when people say that they're not comparing apples with apples, because the comparator is 2018, not 2019. Labour actually did reasonably well in those red wall seats in 2019. So the measure is not are Labour gaining seats, but are they preventing the Tories converting the general election results into local government results. <laughs> um, now, that being said, Labour did has done very well in London. It's t- taken Wandsworth and Westminster for the first time ever. It's taken Barnet, which is a big scalp, given all the issues Labour had locally with anti-Semitism under Jeremy Corbyn. Um, in terms of where Labour's not doing so well, it's not the red wall. It's not those seats that fell in 2019 that I would be particularly concerned about, Robert Labour. It's the fact you're not making progress, you're not making any progress in some places you've lost in 2015 and 2010 and 2017. So, for instance, they made very little ground in places like Tamworth. They made very little ground in places like Nuneaton. Um, they made a bit of ground in Peterborough, but not as much as you would expect. Good. No, no Nuneaton and Tamworth. Has Labour thought about just claiming that it's too cool for those towns? Because <laughs> I think even under Keir Starmer, they might be. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, they did do. They did do quite. They did do quite well in Dudley, but they did nothing in Cannock. They do nothing in Bolton. I keep. I, I told people they'd do well in Dudley. I bet they'll do well in Birmingham when Birmingham counts. You know why? The the the, the metro. The metro. It's but not. In big. that case, why didn't they do well in Cannock? Cannock is not served by the metro. Is it? Not? That's weird. It's the, the way the metro is. It's like Birmingham. It's basically Birmingham to Wolverhampton. Okay. Um. They didn't really. They. I mean. They're already in a very strong position on Wolverhampton Council, but no, Wolverhampton, I actually, I know I know Wolverhampton Council. I know Wolverhampton Council because I, I read the local paper, like a real person. I'm I'm a somewhere, not a nowhere. Um, the um um basically, the Tories and Labour ended up with the exact same number of seats as before, but they did gain seats from each other. Yeah, so there was there was it's, a, it's just that the gains perfectly cancelled each other out. There was yeah, there was a lot of churn. Now that's it's not your and I mean Labour did win the new council in Cumberland, but it's not it's not those seats you gained in 2019, the Tories gained in 2019, that I would be worried about if I were Labour. It's the fact that you're not making much headway in those Midland seats that have traditionally been the seats where general elections are won and lost. Now, that being said... So just come back directly on that very quickly. This is the thing. I think I said this to you offline. Like, the issue the Tories will have, which is why this, will, this is a worse set of local elections than it looks for them, is that the Tories' big losses are the gains they haven't made. That yeah. if the Tories hadn't 
I've spent the past year pissing everybody's face, they probably would have gained quite a few seats in the quote-unquote red wall because these are from 2018. They're before the realignment had properly taken. So you'd have expected them to actually gain a lot of seats in northern England. And, and in there's this one weird exception, which is Newcastle under Lyme, where yeah, they've well, done exactly that. You'd have more things like what happened in Newcastle under Lyme. That hasn't happened because the Tories have been pissing in all our faces for the past year. Um, um, but, like you say, where the Tories are already entrenched, by and large, they've been able to keep that position. Yeah. the I mean, the other thing is, I think the next general election, whenever it happens, you know, because there is this, there is definitely a realignment in British politics going on. So you're going to have, like, what we consider to be a bellwether seat is going to have to change. Because it's not going to be places like Amber Valley or Tamworth or Nuneaton anymore. It may be places like Maidstone. It may be places like High Wycombe. It's going to be places like Winchester. Yeah. And if that, yeah, and if, be- if anybody thinks this means we're going to get uh, the Labour Party promising to increase people's taxes... I don't think that's the fish you 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 attract. Yeah. That it's going to be it's going to be pla- it's going to be places like, I mean, Barnet, for example. If Labour replicated that result, that would knock out Theresa Villiers and Ian Duncan Smith with quite a bit of room to spare. That would be nice. Talking of when the election is going to take place, I've decided I want an election in November of this year. Why? Think- Think about. Oh, because I'm on research. Because I'm on research. Luke. Well, that, but also, also, Luke. Imagine, no, picture it, right? Yeah. Picture it. Um, you're you're on research leave. I can take time off work. We watch the election, and then as things are getting a bit tired, either the day before, or the day after, midterms. We got well. We got midterms. I didn't even thought of that. We got midterms, but we've got the cricket World Cup. We've got the football World Cup. We'd have so much <laughs> stuff to watch. <coughs> the only problem being, well, is there is like one chance in a million of that happening. <laughs> we can dream. We can. We can dream. dream. Um. But I mean, actually, I think that I think the two really big winners out of this have been the Greens and the Lib Dems. What about Luther Rain? Well, we can talk about that in a second, but let's talk about the Greens and the Lib Dems for a second. Well, talk about the Greens first, because th- this kind of came out of nowhere because they hadn't been polling particularly well in the run up to the election. No. So yeah, let's so the Greens are the Greens have 111 councillors. That's up that's up 58. And they made, they made, I mean, they've probably not made gains in anywhere that's going to help them in parliamentary terms. Because they made big gains in places like Newcastle, they made big gains in places like Newcastle upon Tyne. They made big gains, they made big gains in places like Sheffield. Um, so, yeah, and they've also just picked up a wide variety of a seat here, a seat there, a seat. How are they doing Solihull? I'm not shocking. Let me have a look. Because that was one of their like areas they may become strong in. Yeah, let me just have a. 
So they actually they are down one in Solihull. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Conservatives down one, Greens down one, Lib Dems up two, uh, Independents up one, Labour down one. Bad Labour have been wiped off the council. Sad. Um, Yeah, so, um, you know, they've been making, the Greens have largely been making gains in big cities, largely in the north. It's not going to do them any good in the immediate future. In terms of um, in terms of parliamentary seats, but it's building that it's building that infrastructure, it's building that it's building that grand game for the long for the long for the longer term. Ah, when Labour's in in power, and you then have Labour shedding votes. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so for the Lib Dems, can we, can we say it? so? Whilst Luke brings up Lib Dems thoughts. We always do this. Every local election, we go, ah, the Lib Dems won't do anything. Uh, Lib Dems, uh, blah, blah. This is not the 1990s anymore. The Lib Dems don't do well. And every single sodden local election, except a couple where they did really badly, we always get surprised of how well the, the Lib Dems do. Like the, the example of this has to be 2007, where the Lib Dems lich no, 2006 even, where the Lib Dems literally didn't have a leader. They were still in the process of getting rid of replacing Charlie Kennedy. And they managed to gain seats despite having to admit they did a massive cover-up to hide the fact that the man that they were pushing forward um, as, as their prime ministerial candidate was a non-functioning alcoholic. It's just like the way they just sneak up on everybody. Like, like look... 2018, when these seats were last contested, you had you had the whole mess over um, Change UK and the um, the 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 um, you know the Lib Dems surprising every no no not 2018 2019 when the next cohort was contested, you had the whole thing of Change UK forming, saying we need to break the mold of British politics and it's time for a change and it's time for a pro Remain party, and everyone's like, oh no, we've got the Lib Dems. Holy yeah, we crap. already have one of those. Holy crap, there are so many Lib Dem uh, local councillors being elected. Um, yeah, so how did the Lib Dems do? They're up or they're up 191 seats. You know what the Lib Dems are like? What? They're the nugget you can't flush. Yeah, they are. They're, they're, I, no, I think I think you I think you hit the nail on the head years ago when you described them as like being being like Zion in the Matrix. Yes, yes, I do I like... I think that's the perfect analogy for the Lib Dem. I do like that analogy. Yeah. So, I mean, just some highlights for the Lib Dems. They've taken control of Kingston. So, speaking of places, uh, it's not gone well for Labour. They've taken... The Lib Dems took control of Kingston upon Hull uh, for, the first, for the first time ever. They take... Well, I think for the first time since they were the Liberal Party. Um... The they're Liberal taking... Party, not the Liberal Democrats. We're the Liberal Party. Liberal party. Um, they, I mean, probably one of the ones that's got the, the Lib Dem headquarters most excited is they've taken Somerset. Um, yeah, can, can you imagine? The can you imagine the palpitations that caused in local Tory MPs? Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> the Lib Dem, the Lib Dems are all you know, the Lib Dems historically have done well. In southwest England, David Cameron's majority in 2015. 
was based entirely on wiping out the Lib Dems in the Southwest. Now, that being said, the Lib Dems still haven't, are still going to struggle to square the circle of where the party, where the pro EU party appealing to students and campaigning in the most Brexity part of the country, one of the most Brexity parts of the country. Yeah, I mean, that was always a weird thing. And it shows you how low salience uh, European issues used to be because, like, you see it every European election, the Lib Dems would always underperform because they would campaign on quite a pro-EU platform. And in the southwest and also in, in eastern England, which is another area of strength for them, um, and actually parts of the Celtic fringe, the Celtic fringe in Scotland as well, their voters were Eurosceptics. Um, a lot of no, a lot of smaller farmers, fishermen, that sort of type of thing. And um, they would always, they, there's almost like a structural disadvantage Lib Dems had in European elections because they're your skeptic voters would desert them. Yeah. So I still think that that's, that's going to be a problem. But the, the, the Lib Dems did well in places like Winchester, which is really high up on their, which is really high up on their target list. They did what they did well in Eastern England, actually. They, they now control, uh, I think, Cambridgeshire Council. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if I were if I were any one of the, the party leaders, and I think Ed Davey has the most right to be, you know, completely happy with this. I do think we need to go back and just talk about the Tories for a second, because this is a really bad set of elections. This may not be a good set of elections results. This may not be anything more than an average uh, set of results for Labour, but it's still a really bad set of results for the Tories. So what, what are the scores on the doors in terms of net losses? 350 for the Tories. Yeah, so that's like, that is in the range of like bad. Yeah. Um, because again, you've got to remember that, to put it another way, the Tories have lost almost one in four seats they contested. Whew. I've just got the BBC's score up. The Lib Dems really have done really well. Yeah, they really have put. They really have piled on the seats. Because, like, so this this is just this is England only. So, and this is with 144, 146 councils declared. Labour up fifty two. That's not very good. Tories down three hundred and forty one. That's a lot. Yeah. That means they will be down over 400 when you add in Scotland and Wales. Oh, yeah, because yeah, things have gone very, very badly for the Tories in Wales. Uh, Lib Dems, plus 191. I just said that. That's really good. By I the li- way... I literally just said that. Oh, sorry, I wasn't listening. By the way, I always love this. What What is the fifth largest party? In local government in England, it's independence, isn't it? They're not a party, Luke. Uh, who is it then? Residents Association. Residents Association. Um, yeah. So I mean, do, do we just want to round off by talking about Wales? Well, well, first of all, we have to talk about your mate Luther Ames. Oh yeah, go on. Yes, the. 
the new mayor of Tower Ham of Tower Hamlets. Guess who's back? Back, back again. again. Shady's back. Back, back again. Singing <laughs> a completely unassociated song. Yeah, so uh, you were telling me, so Luther Ames was the former mayor of Tower Hamlets who was convicted of various electoral It's Rahman, by the way. Luther Rahman. Reigns. Luther Rahman was, was convicted of a various ele- uh, electoral uh, malpractice. Well, I mean, you say various. Let, let's, go, let's go through this. Because I think it is worth is worth itemising the ways in which he broke the law. Sing the hits, Luke. Sing the hits. But he had he had um, leaflets printed with local imams calling on the the Muslim population to vote for him as a religious duty. You are not allowed to do that. That's illegal. He had... Um, I mean, you say why? It's because those groups are meant to say neutral. Yes. The same like a charity head can't go... The, the NSPC, uh, NSPCC couldn't go around saying you must vote. Um, you they, can, must- they can say... They can say you should vote for candidates that support this, this, and this issue, but they can't name a candidate that you can vote for, should vote for. Oh, sorry, you go. What? I've just got the Welsh results up, so this is... Hang on, let's let's do this first. Yes. Um, So they had, he had volunteers going around setting up tables with free food and drink for voters. You're not allowed to do that. You're not even allowed to do that in SU elections. Yes, but like, Luke, you should be allowed to. Like, we need to bring back traditional English campaigning, treating you to be an integral part of our democratic process. This is the type of stuff that was robbed of us by that do-good of Gladstone. It used to be that you got free stuff for voting. (laughs) I want free stuff to vote. There were there were several <laughs> shall we say questionable organisations that were awarded council grants that didn't seem to do anything apart from encourage people to vote for look for Raman. Um, there were in, there were several instances of um, the same people vote, voting multiple times. They just, um, really, quote, I mean, they just actually, really supported him. They wanted to make clear the depth of their support. I mean, so so much, so much so that that let me. I mean, I actually read the story. Let me just quote from the the provide the the magistrate that tried the case. He drove the defendant drove a coach and horses through electoral law in such a bright in a in a brazen and calculated manner. And the guy, so the guy was removed from office. The election was rerun. The Labour candidate won, and oh, we should we should sorry, we didn't explain this. We should say he was like respect slash independent. Yeah. So he 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 no. So this was like Tower Hamlets had been a bit of a one party uh, state for Labour. Obviously, uh, I, I think Tower Ham Tower Hamlets does cover. Uh, where George Galloway uh, became an MP, um, Luther Raham, Raheem, I haven't pronounced his surname. He basically kind of organises in Galloway's shadow 
becomes a very effective leader through some of these tactics. Um, and then the courts throw the book at him. Yeah, but so he served a suspension and now he can run for public office again. Now, I think that's insane. <laughs> I think that's utterly crazy. If it was what if it was one or two offenses, then I could see the logic of giving him, you know, a suspension that he had to serve. But this is multiple offences, backed up by a veritable mountain of proof. What? I mean, I don't know election law that well, but it seems to me that if the law doesn't allow for somebody to be permanently barred from running for office for offences that broad and that numerous, then there is something deeply and fundamentally wrong with the law. Ah, that could be, you don't scare me, that could be anybody's ass. That's just, and you know how this is going to end. Anyway, let's talk about Wales because Will actually made a little ooh sound. Well, well um, by the way, we should just say for English, for English, English local elections, we just need STV. This is what the Lib Dems should push for in 2010. Yeah, it is. It really there, is. There's just way too many one-party states. I think. Is it Barkin and Dagenham, which before these elections was like something like ridiculous, like 53 won and the one was vacant? Um, you know, it's not healthy. <laughs> we should also say, obviously, Luther, Luther, how do you pronounce, pronounce it? Luther Rahman. Luther Rahman is. Luther. Luther, even. Luther Rahman. He is um, obviously like an independent mayor, like a directly elected mayor. Um, interestingly, Bristol. Voted to get rid of their mayor, their their mayoralty, so they're going back to the committee system. Um, after Martin Rees's term is over, Mervyn, for fuck's sake, what is wrong with you and names? Mervyn Rees, that guy, M, <laughs> tells James Bond what to do. Um, we should all just one other thing. I want to make a, a point about England. Can we stop pretending like Luke? Like Luke? That London isn't like a really big part of England and the Tories can't write it off. Yeah. If they're going to stand for, if they're going to stand any chance of winning a majority. Like you had Andrew Neil saying, well, look, the Republicans are, are, are endangered species in New York City, Washington, D.C., and Los Angeles, yet they can still win. A, actually, they haven't won, they haven't won the popular vote. Um, with the exception of the wouldn't popular vote once out of the last eight elections. So what do we actually mean by they can still win whilst being an endangered species in those three cities? Two, you add those three cities together, you get set roughly 7% of the American population. London's 14% of the, of the British population. Even more so if you just consider Great Britain, which is where the major parties contests, no, actually contest votes. You know, the, the, this idea that the Tories can write off a city that gave them, what, 25-ish seats at the last yeah, election? Yeah, I think it's about 28. Um, which, you know, do the math, the Tories have a majority of roughly 80-odd. You take those. You take those twenty-eight away. They suddenly have a majority of less than uh, less than forty. Yeah. So yeah, it's just nonsense. So London is an integral part 
of the uh, of Great Britain's political system. You know, you go back and you watch the 92 general election program. All anybody is talking <laughs> about is Labour's weakness in, in, in the capital and how Labour underperforming in London is holding it back from competing effectively at a national level. Um, there is no reason to discount um, um, local elections in London. They're important. There is a reason to discount local elections in Wales, though, which is there are still just a fucking huge number. There are a huge number of independents. Like, we, like, so this used to be the case in England and Scotland. Um, and, and for whatever reason, you know, due to reforms made to local government, just due to polarization, um, and, and actually to a certain extent due to the, uh, the um, decline in like sectarian politics in some areas, you, 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 get, you get like this kind of massacre of independence in England and Scotland in the 70s and 80s. But it never really happens in Wales. So like, you, know, you look at these overall scores, and this is with only one council still to declare. In Labour's on 522. Plaid Cymru's on 199. Conservatives on 110. Lib Dems on 69. Do you want to have a guess at um, how many independents are on, Luke? Well, I could, but I can tell you because I've got it up. Okay. <laughs> Go on then. Hang on. 314. That is, that's ridiculous. So in the, and I, I'm like, that's like perennial strength. Like, it's not like this is a weird number. That, that's basically what they were the, the last time. Yeah, they're in up the, like seven. Independents are just very well represented, which makes it always difficult to read across. The reason why I went, ooh, is um, the toys have lost so far. 80, 82 seats. 82 councillors. So if you... Ooh. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that, that is the noise you make. Oh. So if you add it together with what they lost in England, which was what? Um, 340. 341. Odd. So 300, let's say, yeah, so 340 plus 80, that's 420, 423, plus 61. So that's 424. They've, they've lost 500 seats. Yeah, this has been a terrible set of results. That's, that's really, really bad. Like, this actually. This actually should be panic stations, and it probably won't be because the, the, the losses have kind of gone a bit to the Lib Dems, a bit to Labour. Yeah. But this is a really bad set of local elections for the Tories. No, it's awful. Awful. Way worse than any, 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 any like reasonable um, expectations management. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the... I think the, the the Scottish result was about in line with what people were expecting over the last week or so. The English ones are a little bit worse. The Welsh ones seem to be substantially worse. And like, and the thing is, I mean, I don't know the Welsh landscape in great detail. Um, even I have my limits. Um, but like, it it does seem like that the, the Tories are losing seats where they. They are, they are losing strength in seats. They'll have a battle to defend at the next yeah. election. So, like, so like the, the, the seats they took at the last general election, so places like Dellen, places like Clwyd South, 
places like Wrexham. So that's Dem- that's Denbyshire County Council, and they've been absolutely massacred. Um, and also places also places like Bridget, which is like the one council in South Wales where the Tories did reasonably well. They've only got like one count. They've only got like one councillor left. Uh, they've lost the majority in Monmouthshire, which was the only council they held in Wales. So yeah, this is a terrible, awful, not good, very bad um, set of results for the Tories in Wales. Thank God for doing. Please say that taking the uh, taking it off the news to the front pages. Yeah, I mean, you would you would say, but I mean, obviously, there's a long way to go between now and 2024 when we've got to have another general election. But you would say, are you wrong? We could have one in 2025. What January? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's hope we don't. I really don't. I really don't want another. We probably will get one, but I don't want another winter general election. I I would like a September election. Do you think? Do you think they actually will take it all the way to the end? No, I, I think I think may probably. May you may do it over the summer when the students are away from Hawks. But it shouldn't be no, because that's when they're free to campaign. I can. Uh... May May 2024 is the best time. Anyway, May or June. No, June when fat used to do it, because that's when then they're busy with their exams. Well, that works for me because St Andrew's timetable, we're well done by then. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that works for me. So you would say, based on these results and based on the poll, based on the current polling, that you would be on for a hung parliament. In the next general election, now you don't you don't agree you there is for historical reasons you don't agree with that, do you? Will? No, I I I I just feel we are overestimating how frequently hung parliaments occur. Truly hung parliaments. To that no, the nineteen ten ones don't count because they weren't really hung. Um, there was a clear left wing majority. True hung, hung parliaments occur very rarely in, in, in the system. Um, so you had two in the 20s. You had um, one, you, effect, you effectively had two in the 70s, given, um, given how small the Labour majority was in October. Um, and then you obviously had one in 2010 and you had one in 2017. It would be really unusual to get another hung parliament um, um, so soon after the two we had in, in the 2010s. Um, I think more likely either the Tories recover and they scrape a victory, something that looks a bit like 2005 in reverse, where their share of the vote comes down quite a bit. They, uh, the gap between them and Labour narrows quite a bit, but they keep a majority by just winning a load of formally safe seats by quite narrow margins so their vote just becomes ultra efficient like Labour's did in 2005 or they don't make a comeback they are buried under the avalanche of their own incompetence um, and we get a Labour majority and I think the key thing is 
I just don't see how you get a real chance getting a Tories out and you don't get some form of rally round Labour in Scotland. Do you no, not do you not think I can see the logic of that, but do you not think you would get a situation like 2000 and I mean you wouldn't get the situation like 2015 because the shine is off the SNP. But do you not think the Tories would run the vote at the, you know, would not run the you better vote Tory in England or you're going to get a Labour SNP coalition? Well, that's and do you not think a, a critical mass of Scottish voters would go, actually, I quite like that idea? I just think people would want Scotland to... Uh, uh, no, because it didn't work in 2017, did it? Uh, I just... I think the thing is, I think deep down, that it worked in 2015 because people thought Ed Miliband wasn't trustworthy. And they thought, oh, if you'll stab his brother in his back in the back, he'll sell out anybody to get power. So that's why that narrative worked in a way it didn't work for Jeremy Corbyn in 2017. And I think unless Keir Starmer handles it badly. He'll just be able to shrug his shoulders and say, we're not going to do a deal with the SNP. We're going to be a Labour government. And I think it'll work. Um, <coughs> and I think that's what I think you got to remember as well. Like the people around Ed Miller Band, people like that idiot, Neil Lawson. This was when people were like, people in Labour were like, had this idea that maybe they could turn the SNP into a governing partner. I think those illusions in the Labour Party have, have gone away now. No, they, they, no, even the English Labour MPs understand that you've got to keep the SNP at a distance. I hope you're right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is that it or anything else? Um, I think I've pretty much said anything, everything I wanted to say. No, nothing, nothing else to add, except how the hell did the Tories gain Harlow? Yeah. How did they? How did they get? How did they gain Harlow? How did they gain Newcastle? Under, how did they gain Newcastle underline? Under oh, Newcastle the line is like oh, red rule, provincial. Yeah. I, I tell you, I, t- I, I tell you what. Actually, it's interesting that Aaron Bell, the Tory MP for Newcastle underline, has probably been the single most outspoken uh, critic of Boris Johnson. Ooh, interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, the question. I mean, I I've always been a skeptic of the idea that you get rid of Boris Johnson over local election results, because like, look, look, guys, I I remember the nineties where the Tories like well, yeah, were like losing eight hundred seats, and it, they didn't get rid of John Major over local elections. Local elections never lead to 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 prime ministers being thrown out. It just doesn't happen. But, like, these are bad. And he, I mean, again, like, this whole thing with Durham Police has probably saved him for a bit. But you are going to get, you know, the police investigations will now resume and start giving fines out. You have the Sue Gray report to come. Um, yeah. Is Boris Johnson Tory leader this, this, this time next year? The problem is, right, <clears throat> three or four months ago, you you had plausible replacements for Boris Johnson. Who I mean who's left? Rishi Sunak has imploded. Like 
Boris Johnson's probably going to be Prime Minister longer than Rishi Sunak's going to be Chancellor. Does does Zelensky uh, want a new job? Pardon? Does Zelensky want a new job? Yeah, I mean, Liz Truss is not pulling up any trees. Yeah, so that, that's not the, that's not what the Russians are saying. <laughs> so this this is the problem. It's kind of like it's kind of like the last days of Gordon Brown. So it's all very well everybody saying the current leader is crap. But you have to have, and I'll, you know, something always beats nothing. Yes. Yeah. Even if it's crap. Even if it's crap. And on that I note... Think, I think that's the fundamental stumbling block uh, to getting rid of Boris Johnson. And you got to be careful about stumbling when you're near crap, because you might end... Face first, yeah. And on that note, I've been calling. He's been Dr. Luke Midup. Maybe, just maybe, we'll be reunited with Master Sam and Avi um, next, next podcast. Yeah, because he's in Lisbon living his best life. Eating eggs. Eating custard tarts. Um, <laughs> talk to you again in a while. <laughs>